Loving Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name that you have been so good to us in giving us the privilege of life. We are grateful for it and we do not want to use it by any means to bring shame to you, but we hope that our lives shall be used to glorify your name on this earth and that through us your will will be done on this earth. We have heard of the plans that you have for us to give us eternal life and to take us to your kingdom. Lord, we pray that you would, in this moment we will spend with you, help us that the things we will learn shall prepare us to be among those who will be in your kingdom. Grant us graciously of your Holy Spirit. I consecrate myself to you and I pray for the sake of your children who are listening and for the sake of our Lord Jesus that died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Regardless of my iniquities and sins, Lord, please put your words in my mouth and grant me of your spirit that I may speak words that will bless every one of us that we may run the race that is set before us and be found in your kingdom at last that our characters may be developed into the image of Jesus in Jesus name I've prayed Amen Conflict and Courage December 11 The Race Before Us Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 In the epistle to the Hebrews is pointed out the single-hearted purpose that should characterize the Christian's race for eternal life. Envy, malice, evil thinking, evil speaking, covetousness, these are weights that a Christian must lay aside if he would run successfully the race of immortality. Every habit or practice that leads to sin and brings dishonor upon Christ must be put away whatever the sacrifice. Know ye not, Paul asked, that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. However eagerly and earnestly the runners might strive, the prize could be awarded to but one. Such is not the case in the Christian warfare. Not one who complies with the conditions will be disappointed at the end of the race. The race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. The weakest saint as well as the strongest may wear the crown of immortal glory. That he might not run uncertainly or at random in the Christian race, Paul subjected himself to severe training. The words, I keep under my body, literally means to beat back by severe discipline the desires impulses and passions. It was this single-hearted purpose to win the race for eternal life that Paul longed to see revealed in the lives of the Corinthian believers. He knew that in order to reach Christ's ideal for them, they had before them a life struggle from which there would be no release. He entreated them to strive lawfully day by day, seeking for piety and moral excellence. He pleaded with them to lay aside every weight and to press forward to the goal of perfection in Christ. 
in view of the issue at stake, nothing is small that will help or hinder. Every act casts its weight into the scale that determines life's victory or defeat. And the reward given to those who win will be in proportion to the energy and earnestness with which they have striven. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Race Before Us. As Paul traveled from place to place, we find that different places he went, he had different characters he met. For example, in Athens, he saw there that there were people who loved to have discussion and discussion without end. There were people who loved to listen to this theory and that theory. And they had their own issues there which he had to deal with. When he went to Ephesus, we've already seen how Ephesus was. It was a place that was laden with satanic and demonic things. And the people there had their own counsel. That's why you see when Paul writes to them, he wrote to them telling them, put on the whole armor of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against the princes of darkness and rulers in high places. When he spoke to the people of Philippi, they were very nice people. Those were the people that supported Paul in most of his labors. They sent him money many times. When he went to Thessalonica, he realized that these people and Corinth, two of those two places, there were people in Thessalonica didn't like, there were people there who didn't like to work. And he changed his manner of labor, realizing that these people need an example, that they don't need to be lazy, thinking that, oh, because Jesus said we should not labor for the things of this world, that means we shouldn't work at all. He gave them an example when he went to Corinth. Corinth was a different place. We've already seen how it was that Corinth there the people were people who loved money they loved to they, they were always very careful of people who wanted to take advantage of them and that was the first place that paul had to labor with his hands so that he would not be chargeable to them or that they wouldn't think that he was giving them the gospel for money so different places had different situations and different things that needed to be addressed to them like we have seen philippi they were very commendable people and they kept him if you remember when he went to philippi the woman lydia who kept him there took care of him housed him ephesus they were also a very good people even though they had that event that um, so they were always surrounded with demonic things but they converted they were nice people and the people of Colossae also they were also a nice people but other places had harder labors to do, of which Thessalonica was one. I remember the people of Berea, they were very nice people too. Paul wrote about them, that they were people who were commendable because anything he told them, they went to check the word of God, whether it was so, and they believed the truth. But the people of Corinth were a different one, like we've said already. And that's what we're going to be looking at today as we look at the race before us. Paul had long letters to write to Corinth. I think... If there's any church he, he wrote to the most, it was Corinth. The letters he wrote, the longest were to Corinth. He wrote the first one and wrote the second letter to them. For the people of Philippi, very short. Ephesus, too short. People of Colossae, very short. There were other people he didn't even write to. But because the people of Corinth were people that were very unstable, he had a lot to say to them. And that's what we are going to be looking at today. When Paul had left Corinth, he heard messages concerning them that there were disputes of people who were saying oh i'm of paul or that's i'm of apollos he had to address that issue that we are all one and then there are other reports he had heard that there was fornication going on in the church wow 
and he wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians 5 from verse 1 to 1 and 2, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. And then he told them in verse 9 to 13, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, no, not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from you, from among yourselves, that wicked person. You see, this was what was going on in Corinth and above, and there were many other things too. But one thing was that the sins of the flesh, fornication, covetousness, idolatry, love of money, all these things were going on in the church in Corinth. And that was why Paul had to write to them concerning how to deal with the Christian race and how to walk in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12 downward he says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Take note, he says, I will not be what? Brought under the power of any. Meat for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God had both raised up the Lord, and will raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Then he counsels them, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. The issue of fornication in the church in Corinth is still the same issue today. All around us in the church, we see people who are also doing the same thing. It is also reported today commonly among us that there are those who are involved in fornication. And like Paul said, it is a type that is not even mentioned among the Gentiles. The church today have come to a place where some people, not everybody in the church, of course, there are faithful people in the church. If you know, you know yourselves if you are. But there are many unfaithful people today who are promoting evil things in the church. We have gone so far today as even to sanctify these things. People are saying, that's how I was born. To be attracted to men, to be attracted to women, to be attracted to little children, pedophiles, gay, lesbian, bisexual, 
and this is no different from those who are straight even those who are straight don't even look at yourself and say oh my own is if you are straight and you are still fornicating what's the difference between you and somebody that is gay it's still the same thing it's still the same fornication it is reported commonly among us truly that these things are happening now i'm not here to speak condemnation to anyone we know what those things are but what is the solution it is the topic of our devotion today the race before us you see paul had to counsel some of them that they need to understand that we're living in a time where this is not what we are to be looking at all this whole thing about fornication marriage sex that is not what we are to focus on he had to come to a place where he advised them that even some of you should consider staying unmarried in first corinthians 7 reading from verse 25 he wrote now concerning virgins i have no commandment of the lord yet i give my judgment as one that has obtained mercy of the lord to be faithful i suppose therefore that it is good for the present distress i say that it is good for a man so to be and thou bound to a wife seek not to be loosed that means if you're married it's not a bad thing and thou loosed from a wife seek not a wife but and if thou marry thou hast not sinned and if a virgin marry she has not sinned nevertheless such shall have trouble in the flesh but i spare you but this i say brethren the time is short it remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had not and they that weep as though they weep not and they that rejoice as though they rejoiced not and they that buy as though they possess not and they that use this world as not abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away but i would have you without carefulness he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the lord how he may please the lord but he that is married careth for the things that are of the world how he may please his wife there is difference also between a wife and a virgin the unmarried woman careth for the things of the lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit but she that is married careth for the things of the world how she may please her husband and this i speak for your own profit not that i may cast a snare upon you but for that which is comely and that you may attend upon the lord without distraction but if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin if she pass the flower of her age and need so require let him do what he will he sinneth not let them marry nevertheless he that standeth steadfast in his heart having no necessity but had power of his own will and had so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin do it well so then he that giveth her in marriage do it well but he that giveth her not in marriage do it better the wife is bound by law as long as her husband liveth but if her husband be dead she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the lord but she is happier if she so abide after my judgment and i think also that i have the spirit of god amen like i said the people of corinth had a lot to do with these matters that has to do with the flesh what paul wrote here is something people do not like to hear but that is what he's saying we have a race before us and we are to put ourselves in the best condition possible so that we can win the prize and that's why later he wrote in first corinthians 9 verse 24 know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize so run that you may obtain and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible i therefore so run 
not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest by that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away. Amen. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 351, paragraph 4, that he might not run uncertainly or at random in a Christian race, Paul subjected himself to severe training. The words, I keep under my body, literally means to beat back by severe discipline, the desires, impulses, and passions. End of quote. And let's go back now to what I read in 1 Corinthians 7. Part of the ways that Paul kept his, his body under to beat back by severe discipline, his desires and impulses, was what he counseled them that some people should consider remaining unmarried. Now, another way to still do it is still what he counseled them that if you see, it's not everybody that should remain unmarried, he said still, if you see yourself behaving unseemly to your virginity, in other words, there are some people who, when they are trying to keep themselves virgins, they are no different from those who are fornicating. Not that they are actually fornicating, but maybe they are struggling with imagination, struggling with thoughts, and they see someone that they want to get married to, they are attracted to the person. He's saying, please, instead of you remaining, claiming you are a virgin, but yet sinning against God while you are claiming to be a virgin, please marry. But he's trying to let us know that there's a difference between the one who is married and the one who is not married. Now, this is just an example I'm giving of what he means to keep under his body. But that's not all there is. Paul did many things and he, he, he counseled the people of Corinth. Look, you struggle with fornication, but you need to get the victory. And the victory is in keeping under the body. And keeping under the body doesn't necessarily mean staying unmarried. Of course not. That's not what he's talking about. But it was not only fornication. They were struggling with covetousness, with idolatry. They were struggling with many things. And Paul was saying, we must run with patience this race that is set before us. The counsel he gave in Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verse 1 and 2, is filled with so much meaning. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, Paul gives to us a motivation on how to run this race. The motivation is that there's a, there's a crown at the end, there's a joy coming at the future. So, take your minds to that joy of the future, look at it and then come back to this present world and for that joy that you have seen in the future, run with patience the race. Take away every sin and every weight that easily beset us and be read in our devotion what these weights are. We are told in Conflict and Courage, page 351, paragraph 2, NV. So when we are saying fornication, some people think, oh, that's all there is. Mm-mm. Envy, malice, evil thinking, evil speaking, covetousness. These are weights that a Christian must lay aside if he would run successfully the race for immortality. Then he goes on to say, every habit or practice that leads into sin and brings dishonor upon Christ must be put away 
whatever the sacrifice. Know ye not, Paul asked, that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. However eagerly and earnestly the runners might strive, the prize could be awarded to but one. End of quote. But of course, in a Christian race, that's not the case. And we read further where we are told in paragraph 5, it was this single-hearted purpose to win the race for eternal life that Paul longed to see revealed in the lives of the Corinthian believers. He knew, and this is what we must know about ourselves today, that in order to reach Christ's ideal for us, we have before us a life struggle from which there is no release. And he entreated them, that's and he's entreating us to strive lawfully day by day, seeking for piety and moral excellence. He pleaded with them to lay aside every weight and to press forward to the goal of perfection in Christ. So, what are the weights? We've seen them. Envy, malice. Are you keeping a grudge with someone? Are you envious of your brother or your sister? Are you covetous? Always thinking selfishly? What is in it for me? I want to grab money for myself. These are weights and we must lay them aside if we must enter into the kingdom of God. So what are some of the ways that we can lay aside these weights? One way is to ensure that we are not stimulating ourselves with the wrong kind of foods. If we are overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, we are, we, are, we are feeding the flesh. You see, when Paul wrote to the people of Galatia in Galatians chapter 5, he made them understand that there are two parts of us. We have the flesh and the spirit. And he said that these two are always contrary to one another. They are fighting against one another. And it depends on which one we feed. That one is the one that wins. Reading from verse um, Galatians 5 and verse 16, he says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So, we must know which one we are feeding. How do we feed the flesh? We feed the flesh by exposing ourselves to the things that the flesh desires. What does the flesh desire? It desires entertainment. Do you want to keep your body under? This deny yourself entertainment. Do you want to keep your body under? Deny yourself stimulating foods, the flesh food, the drinking of all those alcoholic drinks and sugary beverages. Take them away. Smoking, take it away. These are things that the flesh lusts after. Fornication, masturbation, pornography, they are things that the flesh is looking for. Sexual excess, even in the marriage bed. They are things that the flesh is looking for. But the flesh must be kept under. How? By self-denial. But there are basic things that help us to do this. Have you been in such a situation that suddenly you were having desires and then the desire just fails? There's some kind of news you hear sometimes that will just kill all your desire. Your vibe will just be killed. That, that's what we are saying here you must ensure that the vibe of your flesh is killed be careful what you eat be careful what you drink be careful what you listen to and be careful what you watch be careful what you read all these things can either feed the flesh or feed the spirit do you want to feed the spirit? read the word of God listen to godly music 
go on missionary efforts and preach the gospel to people. In doing this, you are feeding the spirit and you are keeping the body under. But if while doing all those things, you are still having time to listen to the worldly entertainment, to watch the movies, to go and listen and watch sports, and you are getting all these pleasures of envy and malice and jealousy, because you know those things are in sports, jealousy, envy, evil speaking, those things are there in sports. And you are still engaged in reading things that are of no benefit whatsoever you are feeding your flesh you are not keeping your body under you are not laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset we must learn that this work is a lifelong work and it's not to be done intermittently but continuously the flesh must be beaten back and kept under how patiently painstakingly it's a work of a lifetime it's no easy work it is a difficult one and we must learn to strive lawfully to continue to do this we may often fail sometimes but we must rise again and do the work there's no way i can say it that will express it better than what is written here in ministry of healing page 451 and downwards from paragraph one it says more clearly than we do we need to understand the issues at stake in the great conflict in which we are engaged we need to understand more fully the value of the truths of the word of god and the danger of allowing our minds to be diverted from them the infinite value of the sacrifice required for our redemption reveals the fact that sin is a tremendous evil through sin the whole human organism is deranged the mind is perverted the imagination corrupted sin has degraded the faculties of the soul temptations from without find an answering cord within the heart and the feet turn imperceptibly towards evil as the sacrifice in our behalf was complete so our restoration from the defilement of sin is to be complete no act of wickedness will the law of god excuse no unrighteousness can escape its condemnation and going down to page 452 we are told wrongs cannot be righted nor reformations in conduct be made by a few feeble intermittent efforts character building is a work not of a day nor of a year but of a lifetime the struggle for conquest over self for holiness and heaven is a lifelong struggle without continual effort and constant activity there can be no advancement in the divine life, no attainment of the victor's crown. The strongest evidence of man's fall from a higher state is the fact that it costs so much to return. The way of return can be gained only by hard fighting, inch by inch, hour by hour. In one moment, by a hasty unguarded act, we may place ourselves in the power of evil. But it requires more than a moment to break the fetters and attain to a holier life. The purpose may be formed, the work begun, but its accomplishment will require toil, time, perseverance, patience, and sacrifice. We cannot allow ourselves to act from impulse, very important. We cannot be off guard for a moment. Beset with temptations without number, we must resist firmly or be conquered. Should we come to the close of our life with our work undone, it will be an eternal loss. The life of the Apostle Paul was a constant conflict with self. He said, I die daily, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31. His will and his desires every day conflicted with duty and the will of God. Instead of following inclination, he did God's will, however crucifying, to his nature. 
at the close of his life conflict, looking back over its struggles and triumphs, he could say, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 and 8. Amen. So, here it is that we are being told how to run this race. Paul also passed through it. It is not just us. Every day, that's why Paul said, I die daily. That is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31. What does it mean to die daily? It means that every day he had a battle to fight. His flesh was always coming up and its inclination and desires were always wrong. But every day Paul was beating back the flesh. Paul was every day doing something to ensure that he's keeping his body under. The Bible says bodily exercise profited little, but that little profit is something. We have to ensure that we keep this body under. What does that mean? Like Paul, in Paul's case, every day, his, his own desires conflicted with duty. So also with us, we can wake up in the morning and we just feel like watching pornography. We feel like fornicating, like masturbating, or we cherish covetous feelings, ambition, envy, jealousy. That is the flesh there. So what are you to do about it? Die. That's what you have to do. How can you die? It's not just to say die. There are things you do that will make your body to be alive. Fasting is a very important thing. There are certain foods, like I said earlier. Sugar, for example, is something that is excitable. Pepper, flesh foods. These are things that one would eat. The flesh is so alive. It is so alive and it will be craving for the indulgence, for its own indulgences. Fasting is very important. If you realize that your flesh is requiring from you to satisfy some evil cravings, maybe you should consider starving yourself for a while so that the flesh will die. Not just that you are fasting to look like a holy person. Fasting has a purpose and one purpose is to beat the body. It's to, it's to keep the flesh under. That's one purpose of fasting. Then there is the other one of fasting from the internet. You need to know that if you find yourself in a condition where you find it hard to control yourself on the internet, then maybe you should close it down altogether. Lock that internet, lock it, and don't go back there. That is the kind of decision that we must make if we are to be in the kingdom of God. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 351, paragraph 6. And the reward given to those who will win will be in proportion to the energy and earnestness with which they have striven. How much are you putting in into your um, overcoming? We read also in Ministry of Healing, page 455, paragraph 2. The thoughts must be centered upon God. We must put forth earnest effort to overcome the evil tendencies of our natural heart. Our efforts, our self-denial. Hear this now. Our efforts, our self-denial and perseverance must be proportionate, that's directly proportional, to the infinite value of the object of which we are in pursuit. Only by overcoming as Christ overcame shall we win the crown of life. End of quote. So how much effort are you putting into gaining the kingdom of God? Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it off. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your leg causes you to sin, right foot, cut it off. It is better to be in the kingdom of God without that eye, without that hand or that leg, than for you to be with both hands, both legs and both eyes and be consumed to dust 
to ashes in hellfire. We must put forth earnest efforts that is proportionate, commensurate to the infinite value of the prize in which we are in pursuit. What are we, are we in pursuit of? Eternal life. Now, what kind of effort must we put to get eternal life? Is it too much to ask for you to say, don't even use an Android phone at all? If you see that that phone is destroying you, then cut it off. Is it too much to ask for you to change location? Oh, it may cost you much on this earth, but yet remember that what you are chasing is something that should actually cost you that much. If you need to even quit your job just because you are chasing eternal life, Look, there is no decision, let me just say, no decision that you will make and whatever loss you are going to incur while making that decision that you will say, oh, it is too much to take. No, because what you are gunning for, what you are chasing, the race you are running, the prize for it is too great so that no sacrifice that is made to get it is too much. What effort have you been putting? Some of us say, oh, I struggle with this or with that but yet you are not willing to make effort to overcome if we were told now okay you say you struggle with covetousness or ambition what then should you do to overcome i think you should try your best to then deny yourself those things that you know is leading you into that sin it may be some friends it may be some particular thing that you are always looking at cut yourself off from those things I cannot give examples for every situation right now, but what I am basically saying is that we must make sacrifices. Remember, if we are going to overcome, it will require perseverance, patience, toil, time and sacrifice. How many sacrifices have you made to keep your body under? One way to make that sacrifice and to deny yourself is through fasting. But fasting is a lot easier when it comes to Uh, fasting from food for some people but then fasting from the media is another one that we should try to do we should try to do it we must just make decisions to put our body under so that it is not a means for us to become a castaway paul said he's doing this so that he will not be a castaway and i pray for myself and for you that we may not be castaways that's why he said i keep my body under i keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when i have preached to others i myself should be a castaway we must be careful perhaps there's somebody you're usually calling on the phone or you're spending time with and every time you spend time with that person oh it's like pie in the sky for you and it is arousing your flesh you should learn to keep under your body you may need to stop that so that you will be in the right state of mind, so that you will have a better mindset to chase after the heavenly treasure, so that you will not be distracted. There's more that can be said about this, but I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart to make you understand the importance of the decisions you need to make and the sacrifices that need to be made and the self-denial, that we may die daily, that eventually we may be among those who will attain, who will get eternal life. Let us look at the joy that is set before us and come back now and make whatever sacrifice is necessary and be patient while doing that. Persevere till the end. Don't be intermittent. Don't make a decision today and tomorrow you find yourself going back on what you decided. Press on. Keep going forward and do what you need to do. Constancy is important so that we will not be castaways. Let us pray. 
Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for what you have said to us today. We all have the sin that doth so easily beset us and we have weights of covetousness, envy, malice, hatred, gossip in our lives. Please, Lord, help us to lay aside these weights and give us the grace to keep under our body that we may not be castaways so that we will run this race and eventually win the prize. Meet us at the point of our needs, every one of us. Teach us exactly what we need to do to keep our bodies under that by your grace we shall be inheritors of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.